Hi guys, when we get into another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real, again a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. Uh, we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, we're so thankful that you guys have found the podcast. We're so thankful that you guys are here. You can listen to When the Scriptures Become Real on YouTube. You can subscribe there. You can also find the podcast anywhere that you can get your podcast. Um, and we're so thankful that you have come across us and you're with us today. Again, we're going to mention this later on, but if you would like to support the podcast, we would love your support. You can visit www.anchor.fm slash when the scriptures become real slash support. You can click that and you can press support there and uh, you can give a donation. And we're just so thankful for the opportunity that we have to uh, to keep studying with you. Okay, so this podcast today is one that's um, that has taken me a while um to get because i didn't want to rush this one um but this was one that i want to uh you know really really hone in on um, because i think this is a question that not a lot of us myself included that we ask ourselves enough and we can find ourselves in this um in this cycle if you will or if this hamster wheel uh, and it, it can be sometimes we don't mean to put ourselves in it but because of how things in our lives are going, we happen to just put ourselves in this situation. So our topic today is how is your spiritual health? How is your spiritual health? And, and what we want to do throughout this podcast today is we want to take some time um, to sit here and kind of evaluate where we are. And what I'm going to do today later on in the podcast I'm going to do an honest evaluation with you because sometimes I think we don't know. Um, we don't know how to evaluate because, number one, we're not taught that. And then number two, not only are we not taught that, but no one's ever done it in front of us. Right. Everyone has always. Well, I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right. No one's really bad until something bad in their life happens. So what we want to do is kind of teach you how to um, really evaluate your spiritual health. OK, so let's introduce it. Um, so sometimes in our lives, um, things can get insane, right? I know things are for me. Things have been, things might be for you right now, right? If so, we're, we're all in the same boat, right? So sometimes life can get in, you know, insanely busy, um, with things that need to get done, right? So work, work, right? It needs to get done, right? If you have a family, kids, things that they got going on. Yes. There's things that need to get done. Your stuff within your within your marriage needs to be done. Some things that you need to handle on your own, it needs to get done, right? So all these things happen at once. And sometimes what can happen to us, and I'm going to put myself in the us, sometimes what can happen to us is we become so busy, even with good things, we become so busy that God, that worship, that basically anything else spiritual, unless it's a big thing, but I'm talking about anything else spiritual, just becomes a part of what we do rather than who we are. Does that make sense? Sometimes, and I think, I don't think we mean to do this, but I think it just happens because we let life happen. You know, sometimes God becomes just another part, another section of what we do in life rather than that's who our life actually is. So if that's the case for, for all of us, then what we what we tend to do is we tend to treat God just like everything else. And what I mean by that is this. So let's say you're insanely busy, but someone invites you out to go to a baseball game, 
right? Or someone invites you to go out to to do this or do that. Okay, great. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like I really want to do that. Let me see if I can pencil that in. So you have to literally schedule other things, right? So sometimes that's what God can become, even in the Christian's life. Literally what God can become is a schedule. Well, let me see when I can pencil something about God in. Well, let me see. Let me see when I can get something else in. See, sometimes we put God in another compartment, like work is a compartment, like fun is a compartment, like hanging out with friends is a compartment. We'll put God as a compartment. He's not that. And God doesn't, he tells us in scripture, and we'll look at a couple things today. He tells us that that's what he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want you to compartmentalize him into your life. God says, I want to be your life. Now, here's something that we don't understand as well sometimes, and I think we don't teach it as 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 well as we should. But when we say God needs to be your life, we're not saying that you have to literally drop everything and stay there and study for a thousand hours a day. See, so many times we have this kind of misconception. When you do say that God is your life, does he still expect you to work? Yes. Does he still expect you to take care of your things? Yes. Does he still expect you to take care of your family? Yes. But here's why he says, I want to be your life. You won't let what your family's doing, what you're doing, what work is doing, you won't let that come before me. See, here's here's a great thing I want to tell you guys today. You can still put God first and still do all the things that you need to do, but it takes some faith to do that, okay? So as we kind of keep talking about this introduction here, sometimes what we need to do is we need to really stop and we need to reevaluate where I've been putting God and where you've been putting God. And life is, you know, life sometimes it can be so unknown and it can get so crazy so fast. But maybe it is that way for us because we haven't been putting him in the place that he needs to be. So today what I want to do with you, I just want to talk with you and I want to see where we are. Okay, so I want to take some time. And I want to see where we are. All right. So moving forward, before we before we keep going, there's something that we got to do. So before we can move forward and really talk about what we need to talk about, here's some things that we have to get rid of before we can even start today, myself included. So before we can move on, you have to be 100% honest with yourself. If you cannot even be honest with yourself as you're listening to this podcast in the car while you're working out, at your house, as you're walking, whatever you're doing, if you can't be honest with just you that's there, then you cannot be honest with God, okay? If you cannot be honest with yourself and really tell yourself where you are spiritually, then you can't be honest with God. So we got to throw that out the window. You have to be honest with yourself. Second thing we got to get rid of got to get rid of pride. We we can't think moving forward that I've got it all figured out right now or we can't think I'm a, I'm in the process of figuring it out without anybody's help, right? That that ain't it. Okay? You and I both have to have the right attitude to really see and really measure up against the standard of the gospel to see where we are. Okay? So let's let's begin. So also, before we keep going, here's something else we got to understand. When I ask the question, how is your spiritual health? Here's a couple things that I'm not asking. 
this is not what this question is, okay? So I'm not talking about when I ask you, okay, how's your spiritual health? I'm not talking about how has your attendance been? Is attendance important? Yes. Do we need to be at worship? Yes. But when I talk about your spiritual health, I'm not talking about your worship attendance, even though that's a part of it. So you can be attending worship faithfully and still be weak. It's possible. It's 100% possible. So, so that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm also not talking about the things that you do at worship. Well, I teach class, so I guess I might be, I'm good. Will I do this at worship so I'm good? I'm not talking about that when I'm talking about how's your spiritual health, okay? Two, when I ask you the question, how is your spiritual health? I'm not asking how you currently feel. Let's get that out the way too. When we talk about how is your spiritual health, I'm not asking the question, how do you currently feel? Meaning, well, I'm happy, so my spiritual health is great. You know, everything, everything at work is going well. Everything at this is going well. Everything in my life is going well. You know, there's some people that ha- are going well in things in their lives, but their spiritual health isn't. So that's not the question I'm asking. That's not necessarily, I'm not asking how you feel. Well, I feel good. So my spiritual health is good. I'm not asking how you feel, but also you can be doing bad. And just because you're doing bad doesn't mean that your faith is necessarily weak. Right? So when someone asks you, and especially through this study, when I'm asking how is your spiritual health, I'm not, it's not a feeling. I'm not asking you how you currently feel right now. Faith is not a feeling, right? Faith is not a feeling. So all of us moving forward. So now that we got that out the way, so now we understand what we need to get rid of. Now we need, now we understand what the question is not asking. Let's ask it again. How is your spiritual health today? It's either in one of three places. So as we look at this, when I ask how your spiritual health is, this this is what's important. One, where does God rank in your life? And you you know that honestly, and I know that honestly. Where does God rank in your life right now? Two, what has stopped you from giving everything that you have to him. What has stopped you from giving everything that you have to him? Three, what have you put in front of him? Yourself, your happiness, your wants, what have you put in front of him? So all of us today, we're in one of three stages of faith. And the scripture measures faith in these three ways. Number one, we either have no faith. Number two, we either have little faith. Or three, we have great faith. So what we're going to do moving forward, we're going to go through these levels of faith. And as we go through these, at the end, what I'm going to do after we we describe these three, I'm going to give you an honest evaluation of where I think I am right now, just to help you to see how we can do this together. All right? So number one, let's, let's describe the person that has no faith. Someone that has no faith, this person is measured by those who rely on their knowledge of how to do things in life. Or if they don't rely on their knowledge, they rely on others' knowledge and think they can figure things out by themselves 
or they think they can figure things out with minimal help. Those that have no faith, instead of walking through with God, they will only call on him in times of complete, complete desperation. When I'm at my lowest of my low, after I've tried everything, after I've done what I've wanted, after I've done what I thought was right, what they said was right, what my best friend said was right, what everyone says or thought I should do, when I'm at my complete lowest, that's when I'm going to start calling on God. Those that have no faith, they will spend time enjoying pleasures. They'll always have fun. They'll always they'll always kind of post and, and think that everything's all good. They'll, they'll put on this amazing facade, and they're very good at it. And they'll do what they feel is right all the time. And when the time comes for them to exercise faith, those with no faith choose not to. Does that describe you today? Is that, is that a, a definition of your spiritual health today? So let's look at a couple examples here. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and I want to look at verse number 20. So again, if you're new to the podcast, we love to open up the scriptures here, and we love for you guys to go back and check and study this on your own. All right, so Deuteronomy chapter 32, um, starting verse, actually, let's start in verse 16. So, so what's happening here is Moses is actually talking about the things that God is angry with, with the people, right? So if you notice this, let's start in verse 16 of chapter 32. This is what the people had done to God. They provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods whom they knew not, even to new gods that they came newly up, whom your fathers didn't even fear. Of the rock that begat thee, thou art unmindful, and you have forgotten that God hath formed you. So now, so remember we talked about those that are of no faith. What they'll do is they'll put themselves and everything else above God. So here, specifically in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32, the people put strange idols before God. They said they put up new gods who their fathers didn't even know about before God. So notice what that did. That made God jealous. It provoked him and it made him angry. So for you and I as New Testament Christians today, we might not serve literal idols, but guess what can be an idol? Me. What I want, what I feel like would make me happy right now what I feel like I need right now, anything that we put above God, guess what that is to you? It's an idol. It's an idol. And notice, how does God react to those things that are put above him? It provokes him to jealousy. It makes him angry, and it provokes him. So now look at this, verse 19. And when the Lord saw this, he abhorred them. Because the provoking of his sons and his daughter, the Lord was angry that they turned from him. But now watch what they, Moses said about him. Verse 20. This is what God said to the people. And God said to them, verse 20. I will hide my face from them. So here's, the, here's a consequence of having no faith. When we put other things 
and we put them above God, here's the thing. No one can put something above God for you. You do that. So whatever is first in your life right now, you've put it there. God had nothing to do with that. No other Christian had anything to do with that. Other people may have influenced you, but you put whatever that is above God. So you you put that idol there, which is pride. So God said, when we do those things, what will God do? I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. For they, those that do these things, they are a forward generation. Watch what he says. Children in whom is no faith. So when we put things above God, what we tend to do, and I've done this too, right? So I'm going to put myself here. I've done this too. When we put things above God, what we tell God and what we tell other people, the excuses that we give, sometimes the excuses are quote unquote valid. Well, I need to do this right now because if I don't, then you see what I'm saying? So what we tend to do is we find ways to put an excuse to our little G God. So God said, if we do those things, he calls us. This is God talking. He says, God calls us forward generation and those that have no faith. So where is your faith at right now? If this describes me and if this describes you, again, moving forward, you need to know. Again, I'm saying this out of love. This is not a judgment thing. And this is another reason why. A lot of people don't want to evaluate their faith because they're afraid for people to know where they are. We have to. So this is not a judgment thing. But if you have no faith, then we need to get some faith, right? So now let's look at the second example. Look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse number 40. And again, what this is, guys, this is not a leveling system. This is not a comparing myself to another person system. This is seeing where you are and helping you to get better. Right? This is, and this is, and again, we're going to talk about this later, but this is about having the tough conversations, right? In order to grow up and in order to mature, you know, in life, right? And in, in, in your Christian walk, you know, with other people and dating and marriage, you have to learn to have the tough conversations, right? And this is tough. All right, so look at Mark chapter 4, verse number 40. So now this is when Jesus rebukes the wind, right? So after Jesus rebukes the wind, Jesus is there on the boat. They're scared, right? And they say, Master, don't you care that we perish? And then Jesus rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now watch what Jesus says in verse 40. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? No faith. You see, Jesus was there with them. But because of in Deuteronomy, the issue was putting things above God. 
Here the issue in Mark chapter 4 was understanding that God cares about you, but you still fear. That means you have no faith. So what these faiths have, they don't have God in mind. What they have in their mind, and this is this is the mode of those that have no faith, right? And just from my experience in preaching, this is this is the mode of those that have no faith. I'm going to do what I have to do for myself first. Then when my when I feel like that I'm in a good place, then I'll put God first. Those are those that have no faith. You guys hear what I'm saying? I will set myself up. I will get myself straight financially. I will get myself straight with this. I will get myself straight with this, with this person, with that person. So when all that stuff is lined up, then I'll have time to put my idol, who was myself, second, because I'm good now, and I'll put God first. Those that live life that way have no faith. Have no faith. All they see is what they want and what's around them. Perfect examples, right? Deuteronomy 32 and Mark 4. So the first level of faith, you might have none. So how's your spiritual health? Here's the second level of faith. Either have no faith or you might have little faith. Now, here's our definition for little faith. This faith is measured by those who do understand who Jesus is. So they understand the power. They understand what he can do. They understand his sacrifice, and they understand the commandments. It's not like they're dumb. They get it. And they've trusted God at some points in the past. But here's where the little faith kicks in. The tougher things get, or here's the big one. The tougher that things get, number one, or two, when things happen that they can't control, then those with little faith lose focus on who Jesus is and who's actually helped them before. This little faith, this, this little faith is always at a fork in the road because this person always has the chance to get better or this person has the chance to be afraid and go and, and run away from Christ. So that person is always at a fork in the road in their life. They know who Jesus is. They know what he can offer. They know the scripture. They know the verses. They, they, know, they know it. But when the, their life circumstance gets tough, when their life circumstance, they feel like they can't control it anymore, the tougher that it gets, the harder it gets for them to remember that Jesus is there. So then I can either get better from that point or I can either be afraid and keep doing what I want to do. So here's the first example. Look at Mark, or not Mark, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and I want to look at, uh, ooh, yeah, verse 30. Love this chapter. Love this chapter in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to do a podcast on this eventually. But here in verse number uh, 30 of Matthew chapter 6. So what Jesus does, here's a quick outline of chapter 6. So Jesus teaches on giving, right, verses 1 through 4. Then after giving, he teaches on prayer, right, verses 5 through 15. Then he teaches on fasting, 
verses 16 through 18. Then he gets into some doctrinal and some principles here. So he teaches us in verses 19 through 24. So in order to do what I'm, I'm about to tell you to do later in the chapter, you have to lay up treasures in heaven. So that's the first thing we got to do. If we're not laying up treasures in heaven, then we're laying up treasures for here. Just just off rip automatically by by default. So by default today, if and what is laying up treasures in heaven doing? That's studying scripture. That's helping other people. That's helping yourself spiritually. That's doing spiritual works. That's how you lay up treasures. So if we're not doing any of that stuff by default, by default, we're already laying up treasures here. So that's who we are right now. Then that's why he says where your treasure is, what you focus on, I know your heart. So then he says no man can serve two masters, so you're going to pick one. So then he goes into teachings on worry, right, verses 25 through 34. So then that's when he talks about taking no thought, right, about the things, and he gives examples. So now watch what he says in verse 30. Wherefore, since you know all these things that I just taught from verse 1 to verse 30, wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow's cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So this this right here, Jesus, I mean, it's genius. He knows what's what those that are a little faith, he knows what our trigger is. And this is our trigger. When I'm in a situation that I can't control, when I'm in a situation where I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, when I'm in a situation where I haven't been laying up treasures and I've been doing what I wanted to do, then guess what that's going to cause every single day of my life? Worry, anxiety, more issues. So Jesus is saying, here's all these examples that I'm giving. How much more will I do to you? O ye of little faith. So that's why later on he mentions, in order to solve this, if you put me in my kingdom first, these things that you're killing yourself over now anyway, guess who will provide? Me. But here's the part that gets us in little faith. So this whole time, I've been laying up treasures on earth. So I've been focusing just on me, just on my needs, just on setting myself up. So I've been doing this for a long time. So now you're telling me that if I put you first, so instead of putting setting me up as a priority, if I put my faith and if I put Christianity first, you're saying that by doing that, then you'll add all these things to my life. There's no way. There's no way. Because guess what? Guess what we have to relinquish to God. See, this is what we don't want to give up. By me learning to set myself up and whatever I want to do physically, I'm in control. I'm in control of how many hours I work. I'm in control of, of what I do financially. I'm in control of who I want to put in my life. I'm in control. So you're saying that if I seek first the kingdom, guess what you're telling me to give up by default? All that control that I've been using for years. 
See, now do you see why I say those that are, are of little faith are always at a crossroads? Because essentially, guess what it comes down to? Do I give up what I've been doing and give it to God? Or do I just keep this? Con it's like this water bottle right here, right? I know what I'm doing, right? I've got my control. I've got, I, I got everything handled. So I can either keep it because I, I know, or I can give it up. You see, that's why I always say those that are of little faith, they're always at a crossroads because essentially we still haven't made our choice yet. Do I still want to serve God or do I want to keep doing what I want to do? But God said, seek ye first the kingdom. Then notice that's not the last verse in, ver in chapter six. The last verse is take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow will take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So he ends it by trying to encourage those of, of, of little faith. You see, he says, I know your problem. Your problem is you're worried about control. Your second problem is you're worried about a day that's not even here yet. That's why he says tomorrow, each day is going to handle its own evil. But instead of worrying about what you don't have tomorrow or next week, worry about what I can give you right now if you seek first the kingdom. That's so much easier to read, right, than to say or than to, than to do. So sometimes little faith, we need to grow because sometimes we need to make a choice. Where are we at? See, and here's the, um, this is why I say it's a choice. Because it takes time to give God the things in your life. It takes some time. And sometimes what it takes, and I've been in this boat before, it takes taking control of what you think you need, and then you get it, and then it's not what you thought it was. I'll never forget. This is, this is a very secular example, right? But it's a funny example, but you'll get the point, right? So when I was a kid, uh, y'all remember uh, back in the day that show on uh, Nickelodeon, Rugrats, right? Classic, great show. Right. So I used to love that show growing up. And so if you if you 90s kids know back in the day on Saturday mornings was an event. So, I mean, you wake up at six thirty, seven o'clock. You put the TV close to you put the couch close to the TV. You get your cereal, you get your Lunchables and you're there till about noon. Right. Or twelve thirty. And then you go play the rest of the day. Great days. OK. So on those days, right, one of those days where little Jordan, little Gerald, right, we're sitting there watching our cartoons and a commercial comes on, right, and it's Rugrat Soup, right, and, it, and, and it, it's by Campbell's, and the show is great, my favorite show, the soup looks amazing, so I'm like, I gotta get it, I gotta do it, so now every time we went to the store, I'm literally begging mom, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know how old I was, but I know I wasn't having any money. So I said, Ma, I'll give you whatever money I have. I'll get change. I'll find a dollar on the street. Whatever it is, I will do whatever it takes to get this soup. And every time we would go across the aisle, I would walk past it every time because I wanted it. One day, I got it. Right? She said, I can get it. I mean, I held that thing in my hand like it was like literally like it was gold. And I was 
going through the commercial in my head, pretending like I was that little kid eating the soup. And I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to save this for Saturday morning, and I'm going to eat this when Rugrats comes on. So I get the soup, go home, make it, put it in a pill in my Rugrats bowl. I'm like, this is about to, it's about to go down, right? <laughs> it's about to go down. And so I'm sitting there, and I take, I take my first sip, and it is terrible. <laughs> it is the worst thing I've ever tasted. I was like, what is this? It, like, it was, it was different than regular Campbell's soup, right? It just tasted bad. And I sat there, and I was like, no, I can't. And you know what? Mom made me sit there, and I couldn't leave the table until I ate it because that's what I wanted. See, that's a funny example, but sometimes that's what has to happen for those that have little faith. Sometimes in our minds, we feel like, okay, I need that thing. So I will work until I get that, or I will do whatever I have to do to get him or to get her. So when I get this person that I want, when I get that thing that I want, I've been wanting it forever. I got it now. So when you get it, you're like, man, this is, this is it. Like, this is what it feels like to have this person. This is what it feels like to have this money. This is what it feels like to have this house. This is what it feels like to have this car. I got it. I worked so hard. I spent so many hours. I was in control. I got it without nobody's help. I got it. So when you get it, everything you fantasize that it would be, when you got it, and then you realize this ain't it, then you'll understand, I need more faith. That's what we're talking about. You Now, do y'all see why we, gotta, we got to evaluate where we are? Because sometimes when we have little faith, the thing that you want so bad, God will give it to you. This guy at this congregation, yeah, you'll, you can have him. This girl, yeah, you can have her. This money, you can have it. This job, you can have it. This car, you can have it. This house, you can have it. Everything that you that you fantasize about and want, sometimes what God will do, God will give it to you. And when he gives it to you, sometimes it's not what we thought it was. But here's the dangerous part about that. Once we get what we've always wanted, sometimes now we'll have to pay the price of what comes with it. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Sometimes the thing that we've always wanted comes with a price. And then we'll sit back and we'll realize, I gave all this time. I gave all this effort. I gave all this sweat. I gave, I gave all of this for this. Now you see why I always say those that are of little faith, we're always at a crossroads. I'm either going to keep taking control or I'm going to do what God wants me to do. How's your faith? All right, then number three, you either have little faith or you either have no faith. Number two, you have little faith. Or three, you either have great faith. Now, this type of faith is beautiful, beautiful, right? And this faith is rare. So what this faith understands, this faith understands how bad a situation can be in their lives. This faith can understand how hopeless the situation really looks. But what this person does, this person 
that has great faith does not let the situation get them to doubt that Jesus is the answer for the situation. This faith does not say, well, Jesus is the answer for this one, but I got this one. Jesus is this one. I got this one. No, this person of great faith says Jesus will help me in this situation, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, and everything else moving forward. This faith does not walk by what is currently happening right now, by what they see or what has gone wrong or what's not going right or what has gone bad. This person walks not by sight, but this person walks by faith. This person has a complete trust that Jesus, number one, is all that I need, and two, Jesus will provide what I need when I need it. That's what a a great faith person does. So let's look at this. Look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, and let's look at verse 10. So while you're turning there, here's some... um, What'd you call it? Here's some background here on on uh, Matthew eight. So now you have the centurion, and the centurion says that he has a servant right that is that is grieved with with palsy, right? And Jesus said, "I will come and heal him." But what the centurion told Jesus was, number one, I'm not worthy. Keep that in mind. He says, "Look, I'm not worthy that you would even come come under my roof to heal this man." The, the centurion said, you know, all you need to do, Lord, instead of coming to where he is, if you would just say it, then my servant would be healed. Right. Then he mentions, look, I'm a man of authority. I've done this. So he says, if you just do it, if you just say it, then I know it's going to happen. So watch verse 10. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And he said to them that followed. Verily, I say unto you. I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. You see, here's how his faith was humble. Here's how he, here's how his faith was great. Excuse me. Number one, his faith was great because he was humble. He said, Lord, he no, so notice the man had a need. My best friend is sick. One of my one of my servants, he has he has a palsy. He needs help. Jesus said, I can heal him. So now the servant, the the centurion says, he says, you know, I know that I don't even, he says, I'm not even worthy for you to come come under my roof. So Lord, right now where we're standing, if you just said the word, I know that when I go back, he'll be okay. So notice his great faith was dependent on his humility. He said, Lord, I'm, I am a, a man that does great things, but he says, you're better than me. You're greater than me. That's how you grow in your faith. You understand in your worst of situations for yourself and for other people, Lord, number one, I've tried and I can't. Lord, even though I may have the ability, you're better. So if you would just say it, then I know he would be healed. Jesus said that man's faith is great. Imagine how much faith it would take to know that Jesus didn't even have to touch him or do anything. All he has to do is just say the word and he says, I'll go home. He'll be okay. Think about that in your life. Man, you know, Jesus, you did say, seek ye first the kingdom. So yeah, I know I'm broke right now. Yeah, I know no one's in my life right now. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, I need a I need a house right now. Yeah, I know I need a car right now. Yeah, I know I need this in my life right now. I don't have it. And guess what? I've tried it. But guess what you said? You said seek first the kingdom. So even though I know I don't have what I want right now, I'm going to do it. And I know you'll give me what I need. That's different. That's different. Because that that gives up complete control of what you think is right. And, and it's literally just obeying what Jesus said. So here's the hard part about having that type of faith. If you seek first the kingdom and you, you put, you reprioritize things in your life, guess what? Tomorrow, you're not going to be rich. Tomorrow, someone's not just going to walk through. Tomorrow, this might not happen or this might not happen. So when it doesn't happen, are you going to stay consistent? See, that's the hard part. The hard part, you can do this for a day, but can you be consistent? Can you be consistently great? See, and that's what the centurion was able to do. Look at the second example. Look at Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15, verse uh, 26. Yeah, so now you have a, a Canaanite woman, right? And so what this Canaanite woman does as you're turning there, this Canaanite woman, woman, she's crying out to the Lord, right? And she, her daughter was vexed with a devil, and this woman was a Gentile. And he answered her not a word. And the disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. She cries after us. Verse 24. But Jesus answered and said, I am not sent but unto the loss of the house of Israel. Then she came and she worshipped him, saying, Lord, what? Lord, help me. Let's stop right there. Those that are of great faith, guess what we're not afraid to do? Two things. Those that are of great faith are not afraid to say, um, can we sit down? I, um, I need help. Number one. Number two, those that are of great faith, they're not afraid to offer help. Hey, look, I, I see you're going through this thing right now. I understand things are crazy right now. If you need help, I'm here to help. Lord, help me. Verse 26. And he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. So Jesus is testing our faith here. So when he's saying it is not meat or is not necessary to take the children's bread, which means it's a metaphor for the Jews, the chosen people, right? It is not meat to take the Jewish bread and cast it to dogs, to Gentiles. And guess what she said? Verse 27. That's true, Lord. But she said, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. So she was showing, I understand, but I'm willing to take whatever you can give me. You see, that shows her trust in Jesus. And that also shows her humility. Yeah, I understand I'm a Gentile. And on, on top of that, back in, the, back in this day, I understand that I will, I'm a woman. But Lord, if you can just give me some crumbs, I know that even the crumbs... The crumbs, think about that. The crumbs that Jesus can give me can be better than what I got now. Think about how humble you got to be to say that. The crumbs that Jesus could decide to bless me with is better than what, I'm, what I got now. Verse 28, then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, 
great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as you want. And her daughter was made whole that very hour. You see, great faith does this amazing thing. So the question becomes, how's your spiritual health? Right? So now let's get into, let's get into what we're talking about of of evaluating. So now we evaluated what a person of no faith is. We evaluated a person of little faith. We also evaluated a person of great faith. So now since we've done these evaluations, now I said I'm going to do an honest evaluation with you. So based off of these definitions, based off these definitions and these examples from Scripture, what faith do I have? And I'll share it with you. I believe at this moment, for me, I believe as of today, my faith is little faith based on these um, descriptions. And I say that because sometimes I do like the disciples, right, in Mark 4. And, and sometimes even in Matthew 16. Sometimes I understand that Jesus is here, right, like Jesus was on the boat. I understand that he can help, right? But for me, sometimes when things don't happen, or when things get worse, I wonder sometimes, is he really? Okay, so the problem in Mark 4 was that the disciples thought that the storm was bigger than Jesus. So sometimes I can get that thought process in my mind. When things in life aren't happening, I feel like the storm or the situation is bigger than him. Meaning, I think it's I think it's I think impatience has something to do with it too, but I think it's it's based off of so like with the apostles in Mark four, the situation was was so big, but Jesus stopped it instantaneously, right? I that second. Sometimes that won't happen in our lives today. So sometimes the situation seems so big that the Lord's not just gonna instantly help you. So when that happens, sometimes it's easy to get your eyes off of him and onto, oh, and this is tough, or man, this is difficult, or I don't know where, where I'm going moving forward. Like, I don't know, right? So my faith today, right, my faith needs to increase and my trust needs to increase throughout any circumstance. My faith needs to increase 100%. And sometimes what can happen with those of little, with those that are little faith like myself sometimes Sometimes our faith and my faith is either strong or weak based on the circumstance. But I don't want my faith to be that way. I want my faith to be consistent throughout any circumstance. So those that are of great faith, those examples of Centurion and the Canaanite woman in Matthew 8 and Matthew 15, they both had similar situations. Someone that they absolutely adored was was on the brink of death. They understood that. Both of them, the centurion and the Canaanite woman, understood that there was nothing that they can do. Then they humbled themselves, and they knew that, Jesus, you're the only one that can help. And they knew that Jesus could help them 100%. They didn't doubt him at all. So I feel like I want my faith to develop um, into a great faith, to where, Lord, even if you would give me the crumbs of your blessings, that it would it would help me tremendously. 
That's the type of faith that I want to have. So that's how you kind of evaluate where you are, right? You got to evaluate by looking at these faiths. Then you got to look at yourself honestly and say, where are you? And then, and then three, you got to see where do you want to go? So I'm working towards a great faith. That's difficult. It's not easy, right? You got to be consistent with it, but your faith has to be, it can be great and it's possible. So I hope that this was able to help you guys today. Um, you know, kind of evaluate where you are and where I am. And I think that as we do this more, we'll be able to help each other and we'll be able to really uh, increase our faith. So I'm so thankful for you guys. I, I love doing this. Hopefully this is able to encourage you and help you. And moving forward, I hope that our faith can grow and I hope that all of our faith can be great. Again, we will be back on Monday uh, with another podcast, possibly another one this week. We will see with a guest. Um, again, if you would like to support the podcast anywhere that way that you can support, we would appreciate it. And we're just so thankful for everything that you guys do. So we will see you all either next week or later on this week. Thanks, guys.